when I found you. I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is spoiler cast number five, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. For December 15th, 2017, we have seen Star Wars, Adam. And for once, we've waited before we're talking about it. We actually slept on it. This isn't us just coming from the theater and giving a hot take. We've had time to digest. And, you know, we've really needed that time. I, I don't know uh, about you, but... This is a polarizing film. I, I, I could not agree more. I walked out of the theater, my mind just a jumbled mess of, did I love this movie? Did I hate this movie? Did I understand this movie? Did I even grasp everything going on in this movie? Because it's two and a half hours that are just jammed full of incredible up and down features and things that are going on in this film. And it's outside the lane. Like this is not what I was expecting. And I think that's going to surprise people is that we kind of have a lane for what we expect in a star Wars movie. This kind of goes off road. And, and you know, we, this is a spoiler cast. We're going to get into spoilers, but as we begin this podcast, we'll stay a little bit spoiler free and then we'll give you the big warning sound. You'll hear the sound when you know it's time to get, we're going to go into full blown spoilers. But I want to say this right up front, Adam, Ryan Johnson was picked to direct this film. Yes. And he is different. He's not going to follow necessarily the pattern, but he's good at he's done great things. Most of his movies have been pretty well received, right? By critics. Um I know when we saw Looper, I liked it, but some of my friends really didn't. Exactly. And so I kind of had this gut feeling going in, okay, y'all wanted Ryan Johnson, now you got him. And so Star Wars fandom, you're going to have to deal with somebody that's going to make, dare I say, a movie that's critically very good, but maybe not huge audience appeal, you know? Um, and I think we'll see in the days to come how polarizing this film is. It's, it's hard to judge a 24-hour reaction. You know, I was telling, telling you before, Rotten Tomato has been all over the place, you know? Started out great, now it's tanking, and who knows where we'll end up before the weekend's over. And that's, we got to always consider the Yelp effect. That with Rotten Tomatoes and these other sites, people are more likely to write a review if they're mad. Mad online. They got to go and pound their fist and do something to the world and put that bad review out there. And just looking at the initial YouTube videos, the Twitter response, the Rotten Tomatoes, the Yelp effect is in full effect because there are some people that are really, really upset about this movie that think it really goes against the grain of what Star Wars is all about. And then there are some people that just loved this film. And I think our group, we had, how many went last night to see it? There were 12 of us. And I think probably it was a... Two really hated it. Yeah. And two of us, Probably the one sitting here at this table were too stunned to even give a response. <laughs> I didn't know where I was. I, I had to process it. Yeah, I was like, I'm taking my, 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 my kids and heading out of here. I got to go think about this film. Um, and then a, a couple of them I've heard like the film a lot, you know, as well. So um, I think it's going to be all over the map. 
And uh, my daughter, we're here in secret location where my kids are, so guess where that is, right? Recording here at the house. But um, and so we may, I may have my, uh, I may have Zach and Tori and them uh, pop in and give their two cents on the film, maybe before it's all said and done. But general thoughts before we jump right into the spoilers, Adam, or do we ha- should we just go ahead and jump right into the spoilers? It's a spoiler cast. I think we need to get into it. All right. So here's our warning: we are going to spoil the entire movie. We will be discussing the plot, the characters, the twists. If you haven't seen the movie, there's no reason to listen to this podcast. We're going to ruin it. So get out now. All right. Here it comes. Star Wars, The Last Jedi, full of spoilers. Okay, now it's time to jump into the discussion. Spoiler time, yes. This movie actually starts differently than I thought. We aren't with Ray and Luke on the, the island. It actually goes to the evacuation of the base from the last movie. Yep. Now, I should point out that we did see The Force Awakens immediately before this in the double feature, and I think that was a good thing, because I, I probably would have forgotten. They know where they are. Right at the end of the movie, the, the First Order is headed right. towards the Rebel base. Yep. So it just picks up from there. So, so let me go ahead and jump in here and say, I have written my thoughts down twice. I started off with about a full page and just had to throw it out this morning. I, st- I wrote again. I've got about a page and a half of my thoughts. And I tried to lump things into stuff I loved, stuff that I thought was good, and stuff that I thought was bad. And so as we go through this movie and these those things pop up, I'm going to mention those. And you mentioned something. The opening scene of this movie is something I absolutely loved in I this film. I did, too. I, I mean, probably the best opening. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Probably the best opening in a Star Wars film that I can remember. We literally drop down through, and it is we get a war right in the beginning not just a star wars battle but i mean you feel the tension of a real war going on here and i found myself caring about a character that i had never met before uh she's piloting the ship you know we've never met it's they're going on a bomber run oh oh, okay yeah a little bit later yeah but just right in the opening yeah it's in the opening scene you know the opening sequence of this love the opening sequence to this loved this opening battle scene and and I just I just found it. I'm caring about a character. She never speaks. Her name's Paige. Okay. Yep. But she's a soul surviving. I mean, there was tension right at the very beginning of this. Like you know, the stakes are high. So let's. I I thought we were actually open with the start Sorry. of it because um, the star destroyers warp in. Oh. There's three of them. And then a dreadnought comes in. Yes. This dreadnought is something we've never seen before. And it's got these huge cannons that can just bombard the planet or bombard the fleet. And a single spacecraft comes tearing towards him and stops just outside firing range. And he says, I have a message for General Hux. (laughs) And it's, of course, hotshot pilot Poe Dameron. And this is even better than his first meeting with Kylo where he's a smartass because he just messes with Hux. Oh, yeah. And it's very funny. Yep. He keeps pretending he can't hear him and saying, nope, I'll just hold for Hux. I've got a message for him. <laughs> so he stopped. He's delaying. He's buying time. Right. And he's charging up something. And what you find out is he fires off some new kind of super booster on his X-Wing that takes him from outside of firing range to right on top of their ship where the turbo lasers can't adjust to how fast he's flying around. Right. So he's cleaning off all the top guns. And he does it in spectacular There's no one that fashion. can fly like Poe. No, no, absolutely. And unfortunately, and maybe you'll disagree with this, but for me, this was the best scene for Poe the whole movie. This was like his best moment in the movie. Was you know uh, We'll get to that maybe later. I, I, I kind of thought his character ended up being underdeveloped in some areas. Even though I will say this before we even get into the character arc and stuff, just about every character in this saga had an arc to him. Yes. One, I would argue, did not, and that's Finn. Um, and I would even argue... No, he, he does. Well, uh, I, if it is, it's really weak. And in my opinion, I think he took a step back from the from episode seven. That's just my, my thoughts, but we'll maybe get into that. But I loved the opening of this film and the opening initial battle. For me, I thought, okay, here we go. This is going to be a great ride. 
So once the top guns are cleared, in come these bombers, which are Star Wars ships we've never seen before. They're they're like vertical Pez dispensers just full of tons of proton bombs. And that's where we meet Paige. Um, she's one of the technicians. She's a, actually a bottom gunner, and she does everything. The rest of her crew is dead. She's on a ghost ship, and she heroically sets off the payload and kills the dreadnought, losing her life in the process. Her bomber gets destroyed. This matters to another character we meet later. That's her sister, because we see that she's wearing a medallion, and her sister is the other half later. Yeah. I, I just thought it was it was great. But this is important for Poe, too, because he goes against leadership. Right. They don't want him to call in the bombers because it's time to go. But he's like, this is our chance to kill a dreadnought. It's a big asset. Yep. But they lose so much. They lose the entire bomber squadron. They lose dozens of people. And, you know, it's, that's always the cost. Was it worth it? No, absolutely. Um, man, so, so, so much to say here. So, so let's, let's move on into the movie, Adam. Other thoughts. I love the opening sequence. Um, wh- where in the movie do we go from here? Then we go to Ray and Luke. We finally have the resolution of the lightsaber scene, and it's amazing. Luke chucks it behind him. And, and you know, this is getting a lot... Of- I was shocked. <laughs> well, that's the last thing you ever expected Luke to do. You never expected him to just toss it over his shoulder like, get out of here. It visualized. It was just like it was garbage. Just, just chucked it, which horrifies Ray because of how much she went through to get that lightsaber and bring it to him. And so this probably brings us to our first point of where there might be real contention in this film. Because I, I, I've already seen the reaction. Some people hated this p- portion of the film because of just what you said. Ray went to all that effort, uh, risked her life, went against her feelings, had to overcome great circumstances, basically all of seven, to go find Luke. And this has been the big argument, to go find Luke. And he could, he could give a flip about this lightsaber. He doesn't want to teach her. He's done with the Force. The Jedi need to come to an end. The Sith need to come to an end. And he's waiting to die on an island. And he's just wanting to die. He's, he's went to the, this ancient Jedi island to die. And so it sounds like you bought it and enjoyed the little... I like this crazy Luke. We don't know what he was like in 30 years. Now we see how broken he really was. He had never failed in the original trilogy. He blew up the Death Star on his first try. He turned his father from the dark side. He succeeded at everything he did until Ben Solo. And that really gets me. If we're going to talk about Mark Hamill's performance here, to me, you can really tell he has grown and seasoned as an actor. And he's kind of, you know, he's done a ton of voice work and has really learned how to play good characters and stuff. And, I can't say that I loved this crazy old Luke, but I understood it and I had respect for it. And I think he did. And I think there's some knockout performances in this movie. His is one of them. And I'll save my other one or two for as we get later into the film, but loved Mark Hamill on this Island. He's believable as an aged Jedi. He's, he's, he is um, conflicted and hurt and, and torn. He's, fractured as as an individual um not the luke skywalker we had all got in the original trilogy whatsoever and that also has really you know let me just i probably get in trouble for saying this but like luke skywalker has been like the jesus of star wars you know the chosen one he's like the one that could do no wrong you know he's the one that was like you know Perfect, never failed, like you said. And then now we see this broke and we see this broken Luke. And the Star Wars fandom is not reacting very positively to how Luke Skywalker. I mean, I, I just flipped through a couple YouTube videos today where they were flaming mad about how Luke was treated in this film. Yeah, and I, I see that. But there's parts of the Hamill's performance that I love. For instance, he's trying to get Ray to go away. So he does the scene with blue milk. <laughs> He uh, goes to uh, what I'll call a space walrus. Yes. Milks it into a, a, a canister. And he turns and starts drinking it in front of Ray trying to gross her out. And he's got this crazy look in his eye that I like. There's a little bit of Yoda in him. Yes. He's trying to Yoda yes, her. Yes, he sure is. And the thing that I like is that he's grumpy. He wants her to go away. But he starts to enjoy her company. And he gets a little playful. There's a scene when he's telling her to reach out to the force that's great because he has a piece of grass. 
<laughs> and he starts tickling her hand <laughs> and her eyes are closed. He's like, do you feel anything? She's like, I do. I, I start to feel something. He's like, oh, that's the force. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> and then he just slaps her with the reed. Now, now talking, uh, talking about the island, that brings me to one of my sub points, and that's some of the visuals in this movie. I thought the island was, was breathtaking. It's so refreshing to see a Star Wars movie that's not 95% green screen. Right. And it, for as much as we see deep space and the, the conflict that we're going to see as far as them, the, the, the First Order pursuing the, the, um, the resistance, the rebels, <coughs> with all that pursuit, it's good to have an island to go to where it's, you feel like it's a tangible, real dirt there, real grass there, you know. They used mostly real sets on this movie. The interiors for the rebel ships were all great. Snoke's throne room. I mean, it all felt. Oh, I, absolutely. Snoke's lair was incredible to me. I thought that visual was, was amazing. But here's the funny thing. One of the critiques Lucas had about this movie, too many sets. Captain Greenscreen himself from Phantom Menace on said, no, you guys built too many sets. Really? Yeah. I don't, it's a weird critique, but that's what Lucas yeah. said. Yeah. Well, okay. He's entitled to his opinion. <laughs> he is Luke Skywalker. <laughs> No, no, George Lucas. Oh, George Lucas said this. George Lucas. I thought he said Mark Hamill said no, this. No, no, George Lucas. Well, George, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> I respectfully disagree, right? I, I love all the practical sets. Yep. I thought I thought Snoke's lair was visually stunning. I mean, and that that kind of jumping ahead, the use of red in this film is really intriguing. I mean, it's it's played in the symbol for the um, the rebels. It, it's played in Snoke's lair. It's definitely on the salt planet, whatever that thing was called. You know, it's it's great. Yeah, it was I think it was phenomenal. I mean, the visual there was just incredible. So we'll get to that a little bit later. But um, the island, yeah, I, I thought it was really great. How do you think about Ray and um, and and Luke Skywalker's chemistry on the island getting getting along together? I liked it. I mean, she was as persistent as he was with Yoda. She's the young pupil. She wants to be trained, and her master saying no. Right. Yoda kept turning away, Luke, you're far too old to train, yada, yada. He never says that. He's trying to teach her that the Jedi are bad. But everything he teaches her as lessons makes her remind him why the Jedi are needed, why we need that light in the galaxy. So yes. they're teaching each other. But his cynicism is not taking hold in her at all. Right. I, th there's one scene that I thought was interesting where she actually taps into the force and he can't pull her back. And he's like, you went right to the dark side. You went right there, you know? And it's like all that insecurity <laughs> that he'd felt all that fear from where, where he had messed up with Ben Solo. Now, <coughs> you know, of course this is a spo spoiler cast. You've seen it. You know, part of Luke's anguish is he failed to, you know, uh, steer Ben Solo in the right direction. He ends up, he literally, interesting enough, uh, there, there's a term for this in movies, and you probably know this. They showed three um, scenes from three different perspectives. I, don't, I forget what that term is in movies, but that's never been done in a Star Wars film no, before. It has. Showing what happened with, with Luke and with uh, Ben Solo, and you get Ray's perspective, you get... Um, uh, Kylo Ren's perspective and you get Luke's perspective which of the three did you buy of the three or do you think there's a little bit of truth in all of them I bought Luke's and no it, she, it wasn't her own perspective he told her once what well, had yeah, happened yeah yeah and then he told it again yes. after she confronted him but we see it when he you tells see it, it three the times yeah you see it three times yeah it's the third time I believe that he had that momentary fear seeing that darkness in him that he just ignited his lightsaber and was going to turn it off I don't think Luke was, because the scene in question is he's over Ben Solo's bed, reading his thoughts as he sleeps. He's reading his dreams, and he sees the darkness. He sees Snoke has already turned him. Right. His instinct is to turn on the lightsaber, and that's what wakes up Ben. Ben, in self-defense, ignites his own lightsaber and brings the building down. Yeah. On him. Yeah. And so that has literally tormented, that fractured Luke Skywalker, and he, he goes off to this ancient island to to... I guess become a hermit and, and die. He's done with being a Jedi, done with the order and everything, you know. Um, and Han ran too. This is important. There's a, the only one that hasn't has been uh, General Leia. Yeah. When Ben went bad, Han left Leia. Han just went back to the only thing he knew how to do, which was smuggling. That's an interesting theme, isn't it? You know? Um, and that, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but 
one of the big questions I have about this this series is where in the heck are they going with Leia in episode nine? Yeah, we lost Carrie Fisher between these movies. I, I mean, you know, and, and so, so spoiler alert. No, yeah, no, she no lives. Yeah, she survives this movie. Yes. So I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with her. Uh, and they've so, already said they're not going to CG her in. Yeah, one of the things that I, I thought was really bad that I didn't like was the, was the fake out. You know, the big troll of her death. You know, the fake out where, you know, there's a scene where. And I never went from loving a scene so much to hating a scene so much in the course of about a minute and a half. I thought where I know we're jumping all over the place here, but y'all seen the movie when when they're attacking the the fleet. Kylo Ren is leading a group of uh, Tie Fighters, and he he they solo in on the the um what's it called the the um the bridge the bridge. Thank you, Adam. The name it was escaping me. Where 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 General Leia is, right? And Akbar. And Akbar. And so you see a moment where he's starting to he's gonna push the fire button and he has it locked. Locked and everything. And then Leia's themes is played in the background. I don't know if you caught that or not, but it's played real subtle. And I felt my heart my throat dropped in my chest. I was like, Oh God. And they're both sensing each other. Yes. They're both and so he can't do it. He cannot fire on his mother and kill her, you know. But then the other two TIE fighters speed over past him, and they shoot and blow it away, and you see Leia sucked out into deep space. And I thought, okay, that's how they're going to do it. And fortunately, you know. Well, I knew they didn't because in the preview, you see Leia on the planet, the red planet. And see, I I, I was just sucked in. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> My mind didn't even go there, you know. So I thought, okay, that's how they're going to do it. That's that's the end, you know. And she's out in space, and this is the part that I really thought was bad. She uses the force to protect herself and draw her back into the ship. And all of a sudden, she floats back in, and she's safe and sound. I mean, well, she's damaged and hurt a little bit. But it was like the great fake-out. And I, I just, that just, uh, I almost thought to myself... Okay, they've jumped. They've jumped here. They have jumped over the uh, the pool. They've jumped the shark. We're in trouble now. And I thought, oh, where's this film going from here? You know. Now let me let me say why the scene worked for me. Okay. Because there's an important relationship that's in that scene with Poe Dameron. He had screwed up earlier, and she chastised him, and she actually demotes him. Right. This is tough love from Leia. Commander to captain. They have. A relationship that we're not entirely sure of, but it's actually very maternal to me. Poe is her best pilot. I think he looks up to her as his mother. And, you know, I think she's been raising him a little bit since she's lost Ben. I think this is kind of an adoptive mother-son relationship. Right. And she's giving him some tough love. She wants him to be better. She, she keeps saying he's not a leader. Poe is a quarterback, not a coach. Right. You know, that's the type of character he is. He's ready to get on the field and yep. take it all the way. So in that scene, and I'll have to see it again. I've got to watch this movie a second time. Oh, I'm it's, going to. It's so hard to review this film properly without only seeing it once. They're all banging on the door, but it's Poe's face that's right there. And he's screaming Leia and everything else. And that's when she kind of comes to. And I, I get why people call it Mary Poppins. It was the pose, but she reaches out. Yeah. And she starts pulling herself back in, but she's pulling herself towards Poe. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's that, it's that thing. It's that relationship in the scene that I, I think really mattered. And and it was hard for me to gra- to catch that scene. I was just so like, oh, are you serious? Because then he's by her bedside the whole time. Right, yeah. It just didn't work for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like, I don't... I, I mean, I, I'm thinking physics, and I know this is in a galaxy far away, and so maybe a whole different physics, but... I just can't see even a Jedi surviving out in deep space. You can survive in deep space for minutes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's All right. It's, it's, okay. it's actually bad science fiction when people instantly die out there and bleed out and everything else. None of that happens. You have, you have damage. You get skin cell death. Sure. But it's, it's, it's not that bad. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go along with you. We don't have Matt here, <laughs> our scientist, but that's the one thing movies mostly get wrong is how fast you die in the vacuum of space. Okay, well, that helps then. Yeah. Because I'm thinking it's like you just freeze in a matter of three seconds and you're dead. Okay, then. 
Let's go back to the island. As one of the things about this movie is that it switches back and forth. I mean, it's rapid fire. No, you have to keep in mind this is Star Wars time. All the movies have done this. So while the fleet is on the run, and that's over a course of hours, you're seeing a longer story. Right. There's days going by on the island. Yes. Luke's training happened, and then they're you know they're in Cloud City and, and Empire Strikes Back. They they play with time in Star Wars right. movies. They're cutting back and forth, but these stories are not happening at the same time. Yeah. So so what did you think about um, Ray's discovery of the Jedi books? Ray going down into the the I don't want to call it the Sarlacc pit, the big black pit that fell into the water. Some of those scenes where she kind of explores the origin of the Jedi and the dark side, you know. Well, let's talk about just the training is not the Jedi training we've ever seen before. No, he, three lessons. He's teaching her more philosophy right. than he is the fundamentals. She's picked up the fundamentals really fast. I mean, she's doing well on her own. But the scene where she goes to what I'll call the dark side cave, there's always Wait, these dark side caves. Let's back up because yep. you triggered something in my thinking. As he begins her training, lesson one, she's on a rock, and he's explaining the Force to her. In my opinion, hands down, the best explanation for what the Force is in any movie. It wasn't, over, it wasn't too technically or too scientific. It wasn't overly spiritual. It, it literally was the Force is the fabric that binds the universe together. It's in all of us. And this will speak to a greater theme of where Ryan Johnson or Disney or whoever has the vision for the story of this is taking Star Wars. They're, they literally showed us in this film how the Force is not for the elite, not for the princesses, not for the princes. Not just for Skywalkers. Not for the Skywalkers, not for the royalty. The Force is the living thing that holds the... Fa if, if the Force truly is the living thing that holds the fabric of the universe together... Every person, no matter where you come from, has the has some a bit of the force in them. And I really liked that. I really thought that was one of the best explanations of the force I have seen so far. Uh, but it's gotten a lot of people really upset because it because you know, one of the revelations we get about Ray is that her parents are just, you know, uh trash hoarders that sold her off. You junkers. Know. Junkers, yeah. You know, and so Ray has no cool lineage she's not a skywalker she's not a kenobi she's not you know uh, uh anyone that has a lineage of royalty in the star wars canon but how about this she's known this she's been living her own delusion that's what she now sees. that was deep right there yes that's what she sees in the cave when she she gets through the trap yes gets to the mirror she sees herself when she's asking about who her parents are because she knows that whatever powers in that cave is telling her you already know. Yeah. You're lying to yourself. Yeah. I, I was and Maz knew. Back in the last movie, she basically tells her, stop worrying about who your parents are. They're not coming back for you. I, I'm going to say it. People probably hate hate her as a character, but we got about, um, what, 30 seconds of Maz in this movie? During a union negotiation. And and after that 30 seconds, I wanted a whole Maz movie. I was like, this character is so fun. She's so crazy. I was like, please give me a Maz can Cantata or Cantata or Canada. whatever. Yeah, give me a Maz Cantata film. I want to see her story, man. Absolutely. She's been around for a thousand years. Now, um, there's been some critique of the handling of the Jedi books. It was brought up at our group last night. Um, how some people feel that Yoda has one. Yoda makes an appearance, you know, in, in, in on the island. Puppet Yoda. Yep. Which I've got to be honest, I was not crazy about Puppet Yoda. I liked Puppet Yoda. Uh, yeah, I, I, I liked that they went back, so he looked like Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Yoda. I get it, but it just seemed like his coloring was off to me. You he know, he was more. He's a different type of Force ghost. Yeah, he was interacting with things. He slapped Luke in the head with his cane. Yeah. So I think he was more. And he called down lightning. So, yeah. So he was totally different force because I, I was expecting more of the, the ghosty appearance of him. And no, he showed up in physical form, which was crazy, which makes me wonder, one, where are they going with this force and the Jedis for future films? And will they, will all of our heroes ever really be gone? 
And I still love that he calls Luke Young Skywalker. Yes, that's old, awesome. old, depressed Luke gets called Young Skywalker by Yoda. In a line only Yoda can deliver, just like he said he called Count Dooku my my young Padawan. <laughs> only only he can look at Luke Skywalker and say Young Skywalker. You know yes. that's 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 awesome, Adam. And he does teach an important lesson too that you learn more from failures than you learn from anything else. A great line, you know. And he said he told him he said I forget what the line was exactly, but something to the effect of you don't need these books, you don't need this temple, you don't need this place. The force is inside of you. And then he, then Yoda calls the lightning down and destroys the temple. I think that was to keep Luke from finding out she took the books. He could have just let Luke go in there and burn it down, but he would have noticed the books were gone. Oh. He was lying to Luke about why would she need these books. Oh. He was trying to give Luke some peace, is my thought. Because, man, I, I have been wrestling with that since I watched it. Like, why would he say that? To give Luke peace, I think. I like it. And he like actually it. stopped Luke from going in there. Yes. Because, I mean, Luke was going to burn it. Yeah. But Yoda struck it with lightning and blew him away from the doorway. That's that's pretty cool. All that's right. my take. Okay. Absolutely. So what else do we see? What else do we see on the island before we leave the island? Anything of note? Well, we need to talk about that she develops a connection with Kylo Ren out of nowhere. They start seeing yes. each other. Yes. Yeah. And this gives them a chance. They can't see where they are, but they can see each other and they can talk. And is this this is really an intent this is really the first time we've ever seen full blown see each other and can We've never seen this force power before. No, I, you know. Well, and neither one of them is causing well, it. Well, now, now we've seen the roots of it with between Luke and Leia, where they'll say Luke, and she'll say, Le you know, he'll say Leia. It's and, just voice, but right? it's just a voice thing. Yeah, never full. Blown. And so, what's that about? I mean, I have a theory, but I'm curious. Well, no, what Snoke did it. Snoke says he did it. He was using Kylo Ren to lure her there. So Snoke was, I know he said he was the conduit, right? Yeah, he was. Okay. I interesting. I, I still have a theory that I really think that they're pointing this in episode nine to where she, she and he and she are the balance to the force. I think, I think that's kind of where this is pointing to. I don't know if, if what you think, but, um, um, I love, first of all, let me, I, it's in my notes here somewhere. Um, and before we leave the island, I want to talk about the Millennium Falcon scene with with uh, with Luke before we leave um, the island. But I really love the chemistry between Ray and Kylo Ren, and I'll say it right out: Kylo or Kylo Ren, Adam Driver was phenomenal. His performance was way better, in my opinion, than Episode Seven. Him taking the mask off and assuming the role, Snoke pushing him, say, "Get that mask off." Yeah, was the the push in the in the pants that he needed to become what he needed to become. And now it makes a little sense. Snoke calls him out. You were just a babe. You were just a, uh, you let some girl that never used a light, all the things we said, why we didn't, the things that we didn't like about maybe episode seven, how easily he was whipped and stuff. Snoke calls him out and lets everybody know he's just a kid. This guy, he may, he may have seemed imposing, but he's just really a kid just learning the force like Ray. And I think it's settled in Kylo Ren's head. One of the last things Han Solo says to him is, as soon as he's done with you, he's going to crush you. I mean, Sith apprenticeships never go well. Either the master kills the apprentice or the apprentice kills the master. It's, they're always heading that yeah. way. Well, that's how the Sith work. To become a master, you have to kill them. The Sith, your, your apprentice has to kill you. Or if you think your apprentice is going to make a move, you kill them. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's quite an interesting little thing <laughs> they got going on there. Um now, I want to say, man, my heartstrings got pulled on big time when Luke goes to the Falcon. When he walks in the Falcon and looks around, I was taken right back to A New Hope. I mean, I literally, I, 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 I saw the blonde-haired, young, blue-eyed kid that in wonder looked around and saw that Falcon. That also shows you he's not closed off. He snuck there Getting to go. tore up just thinking about it. He snuck on in the middle of the night under the cover yeah. of darkness to walk around yeah. and see it. That shows that. There's part of him that's still... And then there's that interaction with R2-D2. And what does R2 do to try to convince him? Oh, that was great. Oh, He plays the old hologram. Oh, man. From A New Hope. That whole scene tore me. I'm telling you. Even, whole... even Luke says you really had to, you had to go there. You had to go there. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, that's kind of maybe the turning point that says, 
I can't stay away. I have to be involved in some kind of capacity. And he takes Han's lucky dice. Yep, absolutely. And that's sad too. There's a scene where he's <sighs> so in his, sad. Luke's in his hut. No, he's not answering the door. And all of a sudden, the door blows all the way in. You don't know if Ray force pushed it in, but no, it was Chewie kicking it in and coming charging in. And they're happy to see each other, but then Luke realizes where's Han. Yeah, we don't see the aftermath, but we assume he he just heard what happened. Uh, and that's why he takes the dice yeah. too. So let's jump off the planet and let's go to uh, Finn. And what is the other character? Do you Rose? Rose. Um, set up the story where they're going. Let's talk a little bit about that if we want. This to. This is why I said uh, Finn has an interesting arc. In the first movie, he's running away. And this, in this movie, he's running away. He's not. Yes, he is. What was he doing in the beginning? He was trying to get off the ship. He was trying to get out of there. No, he was trying to get somewhere safe for Ray to find him because he didn't want Ray coming back to the ship. He had the location. She, he, she wouldn't have known they were in danger and going to die. So, so does Finn love Ray? He cares about her as a friend. I don't think he loves her. Okay. Not romantically. Okay. But he wanted to get off and, and be somewhere safe so that when she came, she didn't die too. Because this is where they all think they're going to die. There's no outrunning the Imperials. They can't right. jump because the Imperials can track them now through hyperspace. And he doesn't want Ray coming back to... A trap or yeah. or them right before they die. Now, I, I got to say, honestly, so so they end up discovering that there might be a way if they get a secret code, as there's always a secret code and a secret the Imperial way. Shields, too many weaknesses. <laughs> too many weaknesses. But this is where... The, that's government for you. This is where the movie really bogged down for me, I'm going to be honest with you. This second act, this whole going to the casino planet... Yeah was just bad. I'm going to be honest with you. It's I, the weakest part. It, it, I didn't like it. I didn't care about the character characters. I, I liked that Ryan Johnson went for it as far as the creatures go and just had crazy creatures everywhere. Um, but the, the casino deal, I don't know. I just didn't, I just didn't connect to it. I, it's, every time they would go to the casino planet, whatever it's called, Canto I, Blight. I couldn't wait for them to get back to the island so we could continue the story. Now, the one thing it did show is the underbelly. Because there's a new resistance rebellion coming, and these are the fat cats. These are the people abusing animals, abusing kids, that are making all the money on war. We're seeing where the new rebels are going to come from. These are the younglings, yes. the, the people there. And that, and that leads to a great ending, which we'll discuss Yes, about. that was the only redeeming quality was... The younglings that were enslaved and their potential for what might come in episode nine or further. It just shows you what that kind of behavior can breed. Yeah. Leading towards rebellion. Yeah. I, I just didn't really like, you know, I just didn't like the story. I didn't think it was. I, I just I just thought it was a really probably the low point in the movie for me. Um even, you know, they're going to get on... They always have to ride some kind of animal in a Star Wars film, it seems like. And so here we are. We're going to grab these giant goats or whatever they were. <laughs> they look like giant goats to me. People said it was like a dog combined with the dragon from a never-ending story, Falcor, because they're a little bit long. I think that's that being generous, but hey. <laughs> you know. And, uh, of course, they, they... And this brings us to the um, Code Cracker, um, the... Whatever he was called, Benicio del Toro's character, DJ. DJ. Okay, let's just say it up front here. You may disagree with me. Now he was full blown to Benicio in the film. Yes, hundred percent Benicio. And I got it, it. Took me completely out of Star Wars. I did not like it. I didn't think he was even really necessary. I, I, it just detracted from the whole story, in my opinion. He has a stutter. But here's my thing. Okay, let's hear your thing. He betrays him. Well, of course. Yeah. But here's after the betrayal, when he's collecting his money and doing everything else, he's better dressed. I don't think he stutters. I think he was just playing this like dumb, weird guy to get their confidence. I'd have to see it again. But I think he's completely different when he's getting his payment from the First Order. I don't think he stutters or anything. I, I don't know. I, I just, his whole character. I couldn't see anybody but Benicio del Toro there. It just took me out of the Star Wars movie, just to be honest with you. So, but you know what I mean. At first, he throws his shoes around his neck. He's kind of goofy, but I think it's just all this routine of this like, you can trust me. I'm weird, 
thing he's doing from I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know. What was he ultimately the real code cracker or not? Yeah. Okay, because I wondered about that too. He couldn't have been another great code cracker that could have done it. I think he's a gambler. He probably lost his thing to that other guy. Okay. I assume he lost it at the table and got in trouble and got thrown in the cell. They find him in a cell and he breaks him out. BB-8 had a good scene there because he took out a whole hallway of security guys by himself using coins <laughs> that some of the aliens have been yeah. stuffing into him all night. Well, and they continue to find interesting ways to use BB-8, which I think is fun, you know? Uh, when he's plugging all the sparks <laughs> as they're trying to fix the ship and... Uh, yeah, and and you know he just he's kind of the lighthearted comic relief of the films, you know. Yeah. Um, so they get the they get the plans. They're heading back. Um, what else? What else do we want to cover here, Adam? Do we want to jump right to? Um, let's talk about Snoke. There's a lot to talk about here with Snoke. We don't get we don't learn one stinking thing about Snoke. I mean, uh, the whole episode seven. Okay, Adam's pointing his finger at me like, oh yes, we do. Tell me what we learned. No, what I'm going to say, in the real original trilogy, right? what did you ever learn about the Emperor? Well, we learned a lot after episode one, two, and three. <laughs> I know, but nothing. You learned nothing about the Emperor in the original trilogy. Now, this brings me to a point. There were, I think, a lot of parallels with Empire and Return of the Jedi in this film. There were a lot of yeah. foreshadowing callbacks. Let's say it, let's call it that way. You know, and this film begins with them desperately trying to escape a planet. Hello, Hoth, Empire Strikes Back, you know. This this begins by them having to get a... Uh, they have to go off and get a smuggler scoundrel to help them crack the code and get in there. Empire Strikes Back, Han Solo to a degree. Um, they uh, Ray has to leave immediately after they get off the planet and go find... Or she's already left, but she's, go, she's gone to find her Jedi Master who trains her, Empire Strikes Back. And then we get the whole Kylo Ren uh, Ray scene with Snoke in the red lair. The throne room. The throne room, and that's Return of the Jedi. I mean, that... With some twists. With some twists, yes. Um, so, but I, I tell you, folks are mad. They didn't... They, you know, everybody wanted to know who Snoke was, where did he come from, how did he get so powerful? I know, and I don't know that this happened during the original trilogy. You saw the Emperor for the first time in Empire Strikes Back. When it came out, he appears as a hologram, actually played by a different actor. He wasn't played by Ian McDermott until Return of the Jedi, and he was pig-faced before the special editions, if you remember. Uh, he yeah. was ugly, and he had a weird nose. Yeah. They replaced it later on with Ian McDermott playing the Emperor, but... And then he's just a guy in a chair for Return of the Jedi. So, I mean, do you think we're just living in a, a culture now where we want everything to have a twist or be related to something else that we need to know about this guy? Well, there's part of me that understands what you're saying, and I agree to a point where I agree that I don't need to know everything about him, where he came from, how he came to power. What disappointed me was that he was not more, if this is even a word, villainous or evil or, tor you know, he didn't really, he like tortured Ray for like five seconds and then they fought, boom, he's dead, it's over and we're moving on kind of deal. In Return of the Jedi, they milked that. I mean, the anguish of trying to get Luke to turn. And he was just, I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like it moved so fast. Do I have Return of the Jedi implanted in my mind and I'm expecting that, Adam? Well, that was a different scene. That was a part, that was a, a third of the finale. This True. is the middle part of the movie. And all Ray really was, I believe, to Snoke was a test for Kylo. He read Kylo's thoughts. He knew everything. He really just wanted to see if Kylo could kill Rey. Because if you remember, you know, he's torturing her and doing everything else. She attacks him. He throws her across the room. And then he finally puts her on her knees, turns him to face Kylo. And Now, now what did you think about um, Snoke's death? How he got killed? I liked it. I did not. No one saw this one coming. Until the lightsaber started to move. No one saw it coming. Yeah. So Snoke... That's the problem with the dark side. They become so focused, they can be blind. Right. Because even Vader didn't... I mean, the Emperor didn't see Vader throwing him into a pit. Nope. They have blind spots. So he's actually reading Kylo Ren at the time, talking about that he's he's become focused, and he's finally, you know... Right. He's going to do what he's going to do. 
Kylo Ren, in an impressive feat, is managing to stay. He compartmentalizes his mind and blocks him off. Well, he's being red, but he's able to do this without Snoke detecting. He's reaching out to uh, Luke's lightsaber, turning it. Because it's up on the throne room, like, return the Jedi. It's right next to him. Right. He turns it to face Snoke and ignites it all the way through him and then brings it forward, just severing him in half. No battle. One clean cut. No battle, no climactic And Snoke struggle. never saw it coming. Bam, Snoke is dead. And I thought, okay, Ryan Johnson, what are you doing here, man? This is like, that's a bold sweeping move, man, you know? And then I loved the battle scene after that. I loved the fight with the red Imperial troops. The Praetorian Guard. Yeah, the, the Guard. I loved the battle with them. Here's what we don't know. So the Knights of Ren, the only lightsaber users, is uh, Kylo Ren. Right. We see him in the flashback in Episode 7. They all had weird weapons otherwise. I think the Knights of Ren may just be the Praetorian Guard now. Because they all had strange kind of lightsaber-esque weapons. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved, I got to say I loved it. I loved one of the baddest, coolest moves in fighting history when Ray dropped that lightsaber, reached around and grabbed it and took that dude out. What about when she threw it to him and he, he just ignited it in the guy's head and dude, turned it off? She had some amazing moves in this. I mean, I was like, okay, we're seeing some really cool action like we've not seen in the Star Wars. Some inventiveness. I mean, you think about it, a, light, a sword like that can be used for a whole lot more than just swinging at each other, you know? <coughs> okay. How's your list coming? I think we're, we're hitting all the good we're parts. Hitting all, we're hitting all the good parts here. Um, what'd you think of Vice Admiral Holda and her role? Her, she took over for Leia. There's an insinuation between her and Poe Dameron a little bit, you know, like maybe some chemistry, maybe some attraction, maybe not. Um, a lot of people were really cold on her performance. Um, didn't like, didn't like it at all. Why didn't she put the ship on? She eventually kills herself by turning the ship in a spectacular move. We'll get to that visual in just a minute, but she goes into light speed and takes out the, the wing. Yeah. The wing of this big, massive first order ship, you know, and it blows and it destroys other ships around it. And the visual for that, I mean, what would happen if a giant freighter like she was in goes She's in She's on the, a major Krillian cruise. Yeah, goes about in, as big as the rebellion ships get. Goes into light speed directly through another giant ship. And that visual and that moment of silence was phenomenal. But what did you buy it? Did you buy her character? And did you, you know? I did. She was different. I mean, Poe didn't respect her at first because one, she doesn't look military. Even though that he he knows she won a major battle, he's like, Oh, that's Admiral Holdo from the Battle of Whatever. So he knows that she's got military expertise, but she doesn't dress like you'd expect for a leader. And he he doesn't agree. And Poe is a guy that's going to do his own thing. And he learns in this movie the cost of it. And that's important. That's his growth, that, is that he's now really the leader of the resistance. Yeah. And he's got to be more than just the pilot. You know, he's got to well, make these smart decisions yeah, and, and live to fight another day. And, and Leia kind of turns that roll over to him. In one sense, she says, go, lead them. You know, they, they have... Conveniently, they just happened to go by an old rebel, a rebel base fortress that was very convenient for them. But they they kind of flew by one, and they they were trying to slip down in there, and and they thought if we can bunker up, we can send out a distress signal, and people will come. So here's the thing that people are debating online: she does not tell Holdo does not tell anyone her plan that they're just going to burn fuel until they can get to crate which has an old rebellion base and they can cloak at least sensor wise, their rebel transports and sneak off while the uh, ships continue to pursue the, right. the main uh, Corvette. The reason she just plays it close to the vest is we know that they can track through hyperspace because they have <laughs> this special thing, but that's really only Finn and Rose that figure that out. They have that whole discussion. They figure out they must have this thing on the ship. Yeah. She's probably worried about a traitor, a spy, someone among them. They may not know how they're tracking him through space yet. But she knows they are tracking them. So I think she's just playing it close to the vest in case there is a spy or someone on the ship. She's not telling anyone until they're doing it. Yeah. I thought thought her role had tremendous potential if they would have kept her alive. I could see her as a successor. Yeah. 
But I don't know. It just seemed like she was just a vehicle to continue a plot point to a degree, you know? Um, She's going to be an important lesson for Poe. Yes. I mean, Poe's never going to forget her. Yeah. And again... Because he was wrong. This is failure. Every character had a story arc in this film. Every one of them went on a journey. Every one of them had to face something, overcome something. Which you don't see that in very often in a Star Wars film. You may have, and them. they fail. I mean, look at the mission yes. that Poe and Rose go on. They get on the ship and they can't turn it off. Yeah, I mean, you never see that in a Star Wars. Never. No matter what the odds are, they come through. Yeah. Again, I'm telling you, this film's going to be polarizing. People are not going to like this film because it goes outside of the normal Star Wars norms. Yeah. Um. So we're at the Salt Planet. It looks hopeless. Great crate thank you adam they have dropped a bunch of forces a bunch of adats a bunch of super adats or whatever bigger adats the atm6 yeah the, thank you <laughs> you can tell who's the real star wars expert on this <coughs> podcast the atmx6 is that what it was called atm6 atm6 yeah and it all, all hope looks lost uh they've got this new weapon called a cannon um well, they have a doorbuster basically on some minuscule Death Star technology. Yeah, they have this cannon that's going to blow through the door. And all, when all seems lost, who shows up? Luke. Luke Skywalker. Walks in from the back. This is important. This, isn't a, this is not a plot hole. No. And if you watch carefully, you know, because Luke looks different. I, I noticed it immediately. Yep. I immediately said, this is young Luke. It's flashback Luke from when... Yes. From when we saw earlier. Because the, the beard uh, is dark. The hair is short. short. It's from when he was over Ben. He looked like Jedi Master Luke. And so, in my mind, I'm thinking, why are we getting a younger Luke? I did I, I did not grasp. They completely fooled me. I've got to be honest Yeah, with they you. fooled me, too. I just didn't know what was going on. I'm like, did he take the life force in and decide to become a Jedi? Now he's young again? You know? And I thought, or did he get away from the island and he's young? And so... In a scene that caused some much much uh, talk in our group afterwards from one individual who's been a co-host on this podcast before. He uh, sort of lost his mind over it. <laughs> Luke walks out. and, and, and Alone. And, alone. And i got to say, now I, I wrote this down in my notes. The, the forming of that scene, the setting of that scene, I was convinced when Luke, when they open, the, when he walks through the blast, you know, they blast it once, there's a big hole. When he walks through it and he's standing alone with the whole row of the of the, the the first order before him, I was convinced we were going to get lights up, bam, into the movie. Because I thought, okay, they'll start off with the big showdown in episode nine. But no, Kylo Ren's there and he's like, fire every weapon we have on that man. And I'm telling you, they do. And it's just like, and because... Because the, the 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 there's the red clay and the salt, the first explosion you see red blow up everywhere. And you th- my initial thought was, "Holy crap! They just blew Luke Skywalker to a million pieces," you know. And then, of course, what happens? You know, it, 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 all the dust settles, and Luke Luke does the infamous yeah, that takes a little dust and flips it off his shoulder. I like the move because <laughs> I think he he knows he's trying to give them time to escape. And he's keeping Kylo Ren on tilt. Yes. Kylo Ren has such a rage issue that there's going to be things Kylo would notice if he's paying attention. One, Luke was too young. And two, Luke is wielding a lightsaber that was just destroyed moments ago. And, and, and yes. And I heard, I, I did not notice this at the time, but I actually read it on one of the reviews. And when I was looking at the movie today for, for different people's thoughts, Luke never turns up red. When he walks, there's when he ducks, when he moves, everything, there's no red that appears. And he's just ducking during the fight. The guy look actually yes. gets out to fight him. He's dodging everything. Yep. So there's no lightsaber to lightsaber contact. Yeah. And so um, uh, what did you think about then, you know, Luke's death and then his death and then his death? <laughs> you know, the, 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 the deaths of Luke, I guess you would say. Well, I mean, there's a scene where Kylo makes his final charge and he should have got him luke just turns around and then kylo realizes what's going on he comes up puts his sword and it just kind of goes through it has a great line see you around kid because it's from han yeah he's reminding him too that your dad's always gonna be in your head and i'm always gonna be in your head 
So Luke's a hologram. Luke has used up a ton of energy to do this hologram across the galaxy. Very convincing hologram. Now, now that's a pretty powerful force power yeah. to project your, your physical presence all the way across the galaxy. So it takes a lot out of him. We, we, we flash back to the, um, to the island, to the, to, the, to the temple, to the altar. Let's just call it what it is. It's an altar where Luke is sitting on the... He, he falls off this altar. He's so wasted by the, you know, the use of the force. He crawls back <laughs> up. He gets in his seated position. And then, I'm telling you, a breathtaking scene. Two sons in the background... It's reminiscent of Tatooine. The music's playing. He's come full circle, and you see him fade away and his clothes drop. Yeah. And that was a powerful scene. I know people hate it. There are people that are on face on the internet going crazy now because Luke died. No, Luke became one with the Force. I mean, he literally... Yeah. Be- yeah. I think he'll be in the next movie. I Absolutely, he'll be in the next movie. Um, so, and, and that's... In essence, outside of the coda, the extra little scene we get at the end, that's your movie, right? I mean, you know, that, that was it. Kylo Ren is now Supreme Leader. And this is going to be the thing, is he's no leader. No. He's going to leave things to Hux, and he's going to... We don't know that even Kylo knows if Luke is gone. He got clowned by Luke. Leia and Rey know Luke is gone. But, I mean, Kylo may still be searching for him. I think the next movie is going to be years later. Because, for instance, like Empire Strikes Back, was two years before Return of the Jedi. I think there's going to have to be a jump because the resistance is down to nobody. And the First Order, there's nothing stopping them at this point from taking so, over the galaxy. So that gives the out for Leia. Yeah. If enough time, you know, years have passed. It's going to have to be years. And, 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 and things have built back up and the Order has, you know, um, and, and, you know, that's going to give us the out for Leia not being Because right now, like, there's nothing yeah. to stop the First Order from conquering the galaxy. No. I mean, it's theirs right now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, okay. Let me look at my notes here and see what we've covered. I love, I love the final scene in this movie. I, it, it was the best part of the whole movie. So the, the, well, I'm going to call it the coda. That's that we use that in music terms for yep. a piece of music that's added onto the end. that doesn't really relate, but it does. So ex- explain the scene, Adam. We go back to Canto Blight. Uh, we see one of the stable hand boys and he uses the force to pull a broom towards him. And he's got the ring from uh, earlier, I guess I should say. When Rose is there, she had a little signet Yeah, that was from the original Rebellion. Yeah. That you could flip the ring over. And show your signet. It was like a, what they call them, what, trust coins? Yeah. Challenge coins. Yes. So she had one of those. He now has it, He's and he's been sharing stories of Luke Skywalker and all these heroes. And he goes out to look at the moon. And he raises up his broom as if it was a sword. I mean, this is the future of the Rebellion. Yes. This is where the heroes and, are coming from. And this is the future of the Star Wars franchise. And it can be anyone, thanks to what we've learned through Rey. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a Skywalker. No chosen one story. Wow. Okay, so let me... We're about an hour here. So let me go ahead and run through some of my... I have two things I want to... I want to talk about the score. And then I want to talk about three three big messages um, that, that I that I really felt came across in this movie. Uh, then I want to mention some things I just didn't like about it as well. You know, that's kind of left me a little bit mixed. One of the best scores ever in a Star Wars film. I, I loved the music. I loved. I, I couldn't pick up on all of it because I'm, I'm focused on everything else. That's one of the reasons I want to see it again so I can more focus on the music. The the the, the one time I did catch was when Kylo. I mentioned already when Kylo was about to shoot the Kylo Ren was about to shoot the sh- shoot uh, Leia in the ship, and you hear Leia's music, and I thought, oh, that's a great touch right there. Um, and then Luke's death, the music there was a callback to his beginning. And that was just phenomenal, I thought. I loved the score. So I, 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 I felt there were three messages that were in this movie. If, if movies can have messages, and yes, they can. Um, the first message that I think was communicated was the, a message of worth. Uh, that the least of these has value. Yeah. You know, uh, that the most common person has value. You have a sanitation worker in Finn, you know, you have uh, the kids on the Vegas planet that were enslaved, you know, um, and, and their, their ability, you know, anybody can wield the force. Anybody can, it doesn't have to be an elite that all people have value in, in and of themselves. Um, the second message was love. I think there was a message of love in this film. There's a great line 
where 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 um, Finn gets knocked off course and. All right, so we didn't talk about that yes. scene, but they're they're racing in these these busted old skitters, and they're just on a suicide mission towards the the Death Star cannon to stop it from blowing open the door. And now Poe, for once, realizes it's time to fall back. They're not going to make it. He he orders the retreat, but Finn's not going to stop. Finn's not going back, and for once, he's racing towards the first order. He's always run from them. I thought Finn was going to die in that scene. I did too. And he gets at the last second because he's he hates the first order so much. Mm-hmm. He wants to see them end, and he's not going to stop them. That's a suicide mission. Yep. His hatred is so strong against them, he doesn't realize he can't stop that battering ram. He gets knocked off course by and, Rose. By Rose, and she has a line. She said, and I wrote it down here because I thought it was powerful. She says, "We shouldn't fight against the things we hate. We should fight for the things we love." I thought that was pretty cool. She'd already lost her sister days ago, yes. and she didn't want to lose him, too. So she comes yeah. in to save his life. And then the last message was one of hope. Kids, you know, the kids at the end of the movie in the coda, she gives us hope. There is future for, even if the, even if the whole rebel alliance, the whole resistance force would have been knocked out, there still would have been a kid telling Luke Skywalker's story on a remote planet somewhere that's a Force user. What about this for a message, too? I mean, Kylo Ren is saying we must destroy the old and burn it down. They did that in this movie. Yeah. For a middle part of a trilogy, they've cleared the table. You know, this, isn't, this wasn't so much a second act as almost a partial reboot. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it begs the question, what will J.J. Abrams do with Episode Nine? Because it almost it was a movie in one sense that came to an end. You know, it it, it wrapped up what was started in episode seven. Um, so I, I really don't. You know, if you were going to speculate, Adam, uh, what would you think episode nine will contain? Years later, I think first order will control the galaxy, and <clears throat> it's going to be about Kylo. He's going to be searching for Ray. And you think Ray will have a school going at that point in time? Be training Jedi's. I don't know. I think it was important for her to get those books because there's things she doesn't know. She's going to have to build a lightsaber now. Yeah. And that's going to be in those books. I mean, there's going to be some things like that she's learned. I don't know if she's going to start a school. Um, She may find some other force sensitives. Maybe they train together, but. I guarantee you her school will not look like anything like the schools we've seen before. No. Because they're going back to the original Jedi. You know, they're going back to the original. It's more about just what's in you. I mean, what did what did Luke Skywalker do? I'll give you three lessons. That's all you need. And you she's know? never seen a real pure Sith. Kylo's conflicted. She sees the good in him. So, I mean, that's the thing. It might be her to her fault that she may see good in all people. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I could see that totally. Poe is going to have to grow as a leader. Yep. They have to take this ninth movie. has to be years in the future. Yeah, it's it, just, it will be. It's just got to be. I, this one immediately followed. There was no time delay. Right. So yeah. So I, I just got a few last things I'm going to shout out, and I'll let you mention <laughs> some, some stuff too. So my good, those are the things I loved. My good was Mark Hamill. I thought was very solid. Loved his performance. Um, Adam Driver. I thought was great. Huge improvement. Uh, Daisy Ridley just continues to surprise and and impress me. Um, there's such a depth there to her character as Ray. Totally believable. Um, I like that Ryan Johnson went for it with the creatures, even though he maybe went a hair too far. Um, some of them were really weird. Are you pro porg or anti porg? I'm not a big porg fan, but you know, that's just me. I'm pro porg. Um, I love the diversity in the film. I thought it was great. I thought so many wonderful female leads, um, and it's a whole new different, you can't say cultural differences, but you know, because it's a whole new universe and galaxy and stuff. It's not the earth, you know, but I just love the diversity in the film. I thought it was great. The bad. So this is just me. Agree. Disagree. Um, the troll death of Leia. I did not like at all. I thought fake Leia death was terrible. I gotta say Oscar Isaac, you know, I, I didn't really follow his arc to be honest with you. I, it seemed forced. And he seems so one-dimensional to me. I can't see him really becoming what his arc wants him to become. I thought that was bad. Uh, Snoke, one-dimensional, completely irrelevant, except for a vehicle to make Adam drive, make Kylo Ren the leader. I, I don't know. I just 
yeah. Um, I thought Finn, I, I was not on his story either. I thought his was the weakest part of the film. And I want, Finn and Ray had a great chemistry in episode seven. And they were kept apart the whole movie. Yeah. You know, I wanted Finn and Ray together. They worked together, you know. Um, you know, I wasn't really down with the Stolen Jedi books, though I will I will acquiesce to your explanation of them. <laughs> Still don't know if I'm down with it totally. Um, and we talked about the Casino Planet storyline I wasn't down for. And the length of the movie was just too long. Uh, two and a half hours is just really too long. It should have been... I heard the original cut was over three hours. Yeah, it was. So, so we'll see what we get. Um, he should have cut it down to two hours, but how do you do all those story arcs and do that? I don't know. It's only 15 minutes longer than force awakens. Yeah. So final thoughts on my only real downside on this movie is the, the Canto blight storyline. It's, it's a waste of time. And I mean, it, it could be cut. I just don't know what you do with Finn and Rose. Yeah. They're good characters. They need something to do. Yeah. So that's just the unfortunate part. Yeah. My final thoughts are, I feel this film is going to be very polarizing. I think this is going to be, you're going to love it or hate it. There's not going to be anything in the middle. I think this is a very ambitious film. I think multiple viewings of this film for me probably will gain a deeper appreciation for it. Um, um, I think this film has times where it has hits, but it also has misses. Um, ultimately, I would say I loved the film, but it definitely had a couple warts, but it's okay to love something with a couple warts in it, you know? I mean, just look at this. They played it so safe with Force Awakens. They they knew by copying New Hope, and with the new casting, they were introducing Star Wars to a new generation and kicking off a new story. Right. Completely safe film. Yep. Now they've rolled the dice. Yeah. They've made something much riskier. They've opened up the universe wide to possibilities because you knew what the sequel was going to be after Force Awakens. We don't know what Episode Nine looks like. But it's- I promise you this. J.J. Abrams is directing. He's rewriting. So this will be safe, fun, and for the masses. Yep. I promise you that. And that's a good, fit. That's a good way to end this trilogy. You know, the masses will enjoy this, the third film. But it's going to be really interesting to see what Disney allows Ryan Johnson to do with the trilogy how far would they allow him to explore? I would love to see him go back and do a um, Knights of the Old Republic or something along those lines or the creation of the Sith, do something a little darker, a darker trilogy would be a lot of fun. But uh, I don't know. Any, any, is that it for you, Adam? Any final thoughts? That's it for me. I need to see this again. I need to see it again too. So uh, how can they reach out to us on social media? Uh, we're the best place is always on Facebook. We're facebook.com slash film we're on Twitter at Film Coterie. We're on Instagram at Film Coterie. So you type Film Coterie into yep. your computer, we pop up. All right. You've been listening to the Film Coterie podcast, our spoiler edition of Star Wars The Last, the Last Jedi. Write to us, man. Let us know what you think. All right. We'll catch you later.